What's good, guys, and welcome to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod. I am your host, Caleb, and, and before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to thank you all for listening and stopping by, chopping it up with me and Sarge for just a little bit. It really does mean the world that uh, you take an, about an hour or so of your day to just listen to us talk hoop. Um, but with that being said, I will let you know this was recorded Monday night after the Phoenix Suns and Denver Nuggets game and Brooklyn Nets Milwaukee Bucks game. Um, so obviously a, a lot did happen last night. Philly got even in uh, game two and the Utah Jazz won an absolute thriller in which the clips came out really, really hot. But um, a lot of really interesting talk in this one. You know, we go through, hey, what like what is honestly good with Giannis? What is the reasoning that he can roll through regular seasons and seems to struggle in the postseason. We go through that. We go through just how damn good the Nets are. Like, we knew coming in, you know, that talent is ridiculous, but KD and Kyrie are absolutely putting on a show for the world, and it's super, super impressive. Should not... People should stop and and realize what they're doing right now is is completely not normal. We've got Jokic doing everything he can. Uh, Wins his MVP yesterday. Congrats again. We recorded on a Monday, so it hadn't been announced yet, but formally is the MVP. 100% deserves it. Stoked for him. Doing everything he can in Phoenix, but it's going to be tough um, because of Devin Booker and Chris Paul have been able to hunt out matchups that they like almost every time down in the second half uh, last game. And then last night we got our first good look at the Utah Jazz and LA Clippers. I think Mike Conley plays a huge factor in how that series ends up, but the Jazz were able to grab one at home without Conley early. They did have a huge rest advantage with Clippers going seven and they them having a lot of time off, but sometimes that can work in the other way just with rhythm. And you, and you saw Clippers came in hot, but that is going to be an absolutely great series. Um, and Sarge and I gave our thoughts and predictions on on that one and, and obviously every other one. But again, guys, I love you. I truly do. Uh, have a great week. I know it's Wednesday. Get through this week strong. And uh, I will be back probably either end of the week or early next week with uh, just some more talk about what's going on. I, I hope you're enjoying the playoffs as much as I am. And without further ado, guys, let's get it. All right, we're live, bro. Welcome back again, buddy. I appreciate you joining me. We got the boy Sarge. It is a Monday night, uh, fresh off of, unfortunately, two blots, uh, but just watched the Brooklyn Nets absolutely run through the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, watched the Nuggets hang in there for a little bit against Phoenix, uh, but ultimately Phoenix pulled away for a couple different reasons. But Sarge, are just here. Sarge and I are just here on this Monday night. To We haven't had like a – uh, a set time since every all of round one has ended to really kind of go through and, and decompress and talk through the endings of some of these series and the starts of, of some others. But um, first round for me, bro, really, though, I got obviously some games wrong um, in the amount of games, but the only one we got wrong was Lakers. Um, and obviously I didn't see that one coming. Uh, obviously a lot of it has to do with AD's health. Um, but you just see this year, and you—I know you've talked about it on Twitter. We've just got a fr- just a bunch of fresh faces, in, both in like the young players and young studs playing for these teams, but also just new teams in general. So it's—I don't know—for me, even though the Warriors are out, it's refreshing to see a bunch of new faces um, and really a lot, a lot of shit. I mean, 
Nuts are probably the favorite, but you still got a lot up in the air. Yeah, I'm fired up, man. And like, like I was, you and I watched the uh, this whole Suns um, Nuggets game on on Zoom. So we were kind of talking about certain things, and and I, I brought it up right when the game started. Is we have eight teams right now that haven't won a championship since I think the the early '80s, or I think maybe late '80s. So yeah you know, a lot of these teams haven't been in these positions before, at least their franchises, the Hawks mm-hmm. haven't had a, like a legit shot since even when they had those teams with, with Bud and Horford, they, they were never going to beat LeBron. You know what I mean? And yeah. they have a legit shot to come out of the series and maybe even give <clears throat> the Nets a run if, if they're playing yeah. well. So it's just a lot of franchises that have been not really in this position before. Yeah. And you look around just, bro. And it's just like, Damn, haven't seen you in a while. Haven't seen you in a while. You were doing really shitty five years ago, and 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 they're all here with presumably, you know, all the big dogs out. Although you do have Brooklyn, but even you look at Brooklyn, that trade with the Celtics set them back years, where they gave up their whole future to get an aging KG and Paul Pierce for billions of firsts, and they've just slowly bought brought their way back and. Ooh. Uh, you look at some of you look at some of the states of the teams, and I, I would say 2016. You look at Philly; they were bottom of the of the East. They really were. They were in in, in trouble. They had one of the worst rosters in the league. You look at the at the Hawks after you know all those guys went away; they were in deep trouble. You look at the Nets; like you said, they were one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, you know, in 2016. You look at the Suns in 2016. Not a good team. One of the worst teams in the West. It, it just shows you. A lot you. of it, too, was like, it wasn't even just like that. It was like, wow, these are just pitifully run organizations. But you go back to Philly. I, I think it's interesting real quick, bro. It's like Sam Hinkie was literally like, fuck the system. Like, I'm just going to fuck culture, all this. We'll just lose, get a bunch of assets. And he was thrown out for that, basically. Kicked out of the NBA. Doesn't have a job in the NBA anymore. But the result of it, it showed it worked perfectly. And then you go look at Brooklyn, which like like you we talked about, they they look so bad, but they deserve credit in that, you know, you're watching them today, bro. They just like superstars and, and guys like that run a lot of the shit at the top. We've seen it. They make the most money, they're most important on the court. Superstars run shit in the NBA. And the Nets have done a good job. I don't know that you could say it's Nash, but the culture in general has done a good job to where, like, KD, Kyrie, they look like they want to be there. They're having fun. Like, it's not like a – you've seen Kyrie many times not be happy where he's playing. KD, James Harden. Granted, it's it's a lot easier when they're all together, but you have to have an organization that understands those three. And it's crazy that they're doing this to the Bucks without Harden. In my, because I thought the, the Bucks had turned a corner, Drew Holiday. What, I don't know what it is at this point i can't with, say with a with, with a first year head coach that's never coached an nba game ever in his life no i know that's what i'm saying they just feel comfortable they look comfortable but what's what's wrong with what has gone wrong for the bucks so far like i, I thought they had turned a corner where were where were you it's, i think you liked them at least to push it to six or seven right i did and i thought their defense was going to be slightly better i thought they would you know i thought Kyrie and katie were gonna have a tough time 
not necessarily making shots, but they were going to have a lot more difficult of a time scoring. And it's, it's to the point where every time they're coming down the floor, I just expect them to make a shot because they just look unfazed. I don't know if that's necessarily the box are just not doing enough on defense, but when you're watching it, it's just easy bucket after easy bucket. And then on the other end, on the buck side on offense, it's Drew Holiday pulling up 18 seconds left on the shot clock from three in transition. It's Giannis, you know, either taking a horrible three or dribbling, backing down someone in the post. And instead of getting like a shot two feet from the basket, he's doing one of those, you know, Dirk one-step fadeaways. I was going to say, the Nets have done a really good job, at least in these two games. You see a lot. There there have been like no clean Giannis just straight – Straight to the hoop drive. There hasn't been any of that. If anything, the closest thing he's getting is like they'll wall up and he can like do a little like floater push like from six feet out, which still like Giannis doesn't have the best touch. He's great when he gets in there and you can see he's still it's not a gimme all the way there at this point. So, yeah. And it's it's weird because it's it goes both ways for Brooklyn on offense, too, because they have plenty of times where Katie or Kyrie like that move uh, Katie had on Giannis today, like was filthy. And that was just one-on-one on Giannis, like tough shot. But they have so many times too, where they're able to get Drew on a, on a screen with someone or, or get the primary defender on a screen. And then it's just KD and Kyrie having a little space and they're going to create a good look out of that every time. And then once they have that, they get the rhythm and then they're just making stupid shots, but they just, like you said, unfazed, they're so comfortable, bro. It's it's and I will I can't you can't take it for granted. It is not easy to get good quality shots that you look comfortable in, and they did it. They've done it for eight quarters now. With and, and, the only, and, and the only person that kind of gets under Katie's skin, I don't even think he gets under his skin. But the only one that poses any sort of problems is 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 going to be PJ Tucker. And we saw he, he picked up two quick fouls in this game, and he had to go to the bench. And right when that happened, it was Bryn Forbes into the game and Bryn Forbes had to come out of the game after three and a half, four minutes because Katie and Kyrie were getting everything. They're getting Bryn Forbes in the pick and roll or finding whoever Bryn Forbes was guarding and just going immediately at him. It's it's just not worth it for even though he can shoot. And I think you have to look at Bud again. and, And I hate I'm not a huge you know, it's all in the coach kind of guy, but he just doesn't make adjustments time after time. It was. 48 straight minutes, I guess 36 because no one played in the fourth quarter because the game was over, but 36 straight minutes of the same thing over and over again, both on yeah. offense for the Bucks and on defense. There was there was not a single time where I was like, all right, you know, the Bucks have made an adjustment. Maybe they can come back in this game. The only time they ever had any sort of scoring was Chris Middleton taking very difficult shots and hitting four or five in a row and scoring 10, 12 points. And that At it. that point, I was like, all right, Chris Middleton is kind of getting it going, but no matter what, they're not going to get into the game because they're down 20 with Kevin Durant on the other side of the ball. So you said it perfectly on Twitter, bro. Like there are times where you're watching a game and even if it's 15, 16, you still get to feel like, all right, the other team can make a run. But tonight you never got that sense because you just knew no matter, even if the Bucks reel off six in a row, KD and Kyrie are getting too many comfortable looks for them that you're, you're just not going to be able to chip into that lead if you get down like that. And 100%, Bud has some cur in him to that, to where, like, he trusts his shit too much, and you don't see them switch anything on defense, and it just leaves Kyrie and KD in situations where they can hunt guys, and 
get them on a screen and get downhill because they know they're not switching. And it's with guys like that, it, it's, it, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, and that's Do why you, you like the Nets. Would, would, would you say it's more of an offensive problem for, for the Bucks or more of a defensive problem? Dude, it's, I think it's both and it's close to 50, 50 because they're not getting any good looks on the other end either, but on, uh, on defense too, like the Nets are getting whatever they want. And this is without their quote creator. Like, this is bad. This is really bad. And like you said, I, I don't know necessarily, like, I, again, I'm not an NBA coach, but they're doing a great job on Giannis and they're not giving him anything. And then he can't shoot the three, but they like to create with him and it, as an initiator. And Middleton is in no rhythm either. Like the, he's not, I don't know. I don't know what you do, but it's, you have to make adjustments and he hasn't, he hasn't done that in, in any way. And it, it's so hard to talk about a series like this too, because neither of the first two games have been remotely close. I mean, there was really not any point in either of those games where you look at that and said, the Bucks should be in this game because they haven't, they didn't get yeah. any good looks. And we talked about this at the beginning of the, of the Suns game is the Suns were getting really good looks at the start of this game and they weren't hitting them. And I was, you, we were both saying, once they start hitting those shots, this game could get easily out of hand. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. So same thing with, with, with the Bucks and Nets. Like, they're just not getting good shots. And when you have Kevin Durant, a 45 to 50% tough shot maker, like he's hitting really tough shots 45 to 50% of the time, it, it's going to be really tough to, to beat a Brooklyn team when you got Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday not taking good shots. Yeah, and that's the tough part, bro, is you look out just from a, like, off-the-basketball court standpoint, right? You you look at the Bucks and you're like, okay, they match up pretty well. Like, Drew can pick who he wants to defend. Brooke Lopez is a great rim protector. Giannis can roam. They don't have anyone, quote, big for Giannis. They have P.J. Tucker, who has a lot of experience in guard, guarding KD. Then you look over, the Nets are without James Harden, and you're like, oh, shit. The Bucs are making a run. And then you look down at the court and we've played eight quarters and the Nets have dominated 95% of it. So I, I don't know, like I, I was not expecting it to be like this, but it, uh, it also shows, I know we were talking about it a little bit earlier. I think right now, gun to my head, KD is the best player in the world at this point in time. And it's one of those things where like we saw what LeBron did last year. So like, is it enough time to just unseat him? But I, we don't have to get into that right now. I think he's playing the best basketball in the world. And like, like we've said many times, I know we've talked about it. You see in these playoffs, a lot of times the game slows down. Everyone knows the set. It's just go to your best player. And there's no one I'd rather have go get me a bucket right now. Maybe ever. I don't know, but other than Kevin Durant. Yeah. And Kyrie Irving also up there in the same, 100%. you know what I mean? Like if Kyrie, you're just talking, if you're talking ahead. about straight bucket getting number one for me of all time has to be Kevin Durant. LeBron James, he's a great guy in terms of distributing and, you know, scoring as, as well, but straight, you need a bucket. It's going to be Kevin Durant seven foot can shoot from anywhere has a handle like a guard at, at that big lengthy. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. And then you talk about top five bucket getters of all time. Kyrie Irving's probably in so that conversation. He, he has too. not gotten enough respect. And I get it. He brings some of it on himself, but he has had an absolutely unbelievable basketball season and no one talks about it. Nobody talks about it. 
And it's because of his antics and, and sure, maybe he's not as likable or whatever, but the guy is an, and you can even talk about his defense or facilitating. The guy is an absolute bucket. And he 40, can, 50, 90 season. Yeah. He gets, and, and we talk about, you know, when you see the best players, right? Like you even take, for example, Michael Porter Jr. He's really good at shooting and scoring the basketball. Right. But you look at the best players in the world and they all make it look easy because they get to their spot every time. And there's nothing you can do. Like the best players in the world, you know what they're going to do, but they can still do it every time. Cause they're that good. And Kyrie Irving is another one where it's like, you can force him this way, that way, any double it, he will get to his spot and create a good look for himself somehow. And very few people can do that. And it's crazy because they honestly have three of them. And, and, and the Bucks don't have one, if you think about it. The Bucks don't have one. For as good as Giannis Middleton and all, they don't have one. No, and I took I took Bucks in seven, and I, it looks like an absolutely clown take at this point. And Adam, did you I, take Bucks in seven? Oh, you did. You did. I did take Bucks in seven, and I just – I thought they could make that jump, but it goes back to Giannis not being able to shoot the three ball has been – and everyone likes to talk about, all right, well, he shoots 30% from three. It's really not that bad. It's when he goes to the hole, he's unstoppable, but the nets are leaving him completely open from three. You're seeing it every time. And he is taking those shots. We saw it today. And then when you foul Giannis, he can't make free throws. The yeah. dude was 0 for 7 from the line or something tonight. Like, you just can't win basketball games when your best player can't shoot free throws and can't shoot from the three. Yeah. At this day and age of the, in the NBA. I don't want to – yeah, I don't want to be too hot takey, bro, but, like, you break it down simply. What he does is he's an elite, easy bucket getter, right? Like, he'll get – he's really good at getting the easy buckets. And in the regular season, easy buckets are so much easier to come by. They're so much harder to come by in the postseason. So, it's like I don't want to call him a regular season player, but he has – to improve in some way or another to get over this hump because it, yeah, every team that plays them in these rounds, they do the same thing in one version or another. And, he, you know, he can keep taking them and making them at a 30% clip. I don't think that's going to be enough to get him to where he wants to be. And it just goes to show you the talent level in the NBA, right? Like he's playing with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, and it's might not be good enough to get out of the second round, but yeah, Giannis has got to figure something out. And it's why I will never, I can't put him in the top five right now. There's too many guys who have won rings at the highest level for me to put Giannis in there for what he's done in the regular season. And it's crazy because you could, and I'm not trying to just go on and on about this series. We'll try to wrap it up, but yeah. Kyrie Irving is legitimately more valuable than Giannis in this series, which so is far. just ridiculous to think about yeah. in Giannis being a back-to-back -back MVP in the last four, I think three, what, what was it? three years at this point, I guess. Yeah. He didn't win the last time people, but the two years before that, like. No, I he just, won last year, right? But, well, this year will be, uh, but yeah. Yeah, okay. this year, technically a new person, but the last, I guess, yeah, three years, I don't So, whatever. But, right. like, Kyrie Irving is legitimately more valuable right now. The Bucks defense than, has than been he first. Is. Jeez. So, and yeah, I, I think I think the, how we can end it is, for me at least, is I took Bucks in seven at this point it's really hard to see them not losing a game at home. Like uh, Brooklyn is going to take one game from them 
uh, just the way they're playing at home. And if Brooklyn somehow escapes from, from in two games, I would be really, really surprised. So for me, it's, I think most people not a hot take at all. I think I have Brooklyn taking this thing in five back at their home court. I just don't see it really any other way. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the Bucks can win two straight games the way this is going unless they make drastic changes. Yeah, again, I, I'm not. There's there's times to, there's times where you say, okay, we're down 2-0, but I still think we can go get two at home. There's a this reason this isn't why we don't. this isn't this yeah. isn't Clippers Mavs. Yeah, <laughs> when, when, we, when you and I both look back on Clippers Mavs, we go right the Mavs are shooting ridiculous right now. They're hit, you know, they're hitting 60% of the field. They are getting good looks, but the Clippers are going to come back. They're going to make adjustments. We know Zubach is the problem, right? We're going to make this adjustments. If you look at this series, I can't tell you one thing that the problem is. No, it's not Zubach in the pick and roll. There's 3000 things that need to happen that, that are going to change this series. So for me, I don't see adjustments being made. I don't see this like the Clippers making adjustments and coming back. I just really think this series is done in five. Yep, I'm with you, Nets and five, bro. Nets and five in the clear favorite right now, in my mind. Um, all right, bro, let's go to the other Eastern Conference series. Uh, you know I've been banging the Hawks bandwagon for quite some time. I was on it preseason, and then Lloyd Pierce kind of made me get off it, and then I'm back on it because it, with Nate McMillan. Uh, going to Philly, kind of catch Philly sleeping a little bit, I felt like. like the, Philly just didn't bring really much energy from the jump. Um and they jumped on them, grabbed game one, almost threw it away. Kind of deserved to lose. Like, they lost the game, like, three different times, and Philly just couldn't get all the way back. But uh, that kind of sets the tone for game two, bro. What were your thoughts coming in, and, and what was your – I guess, what are some things that stood out to you in, in game one? I think uh, for, for most people, like, number one question for me was, is Joel Embiid healthy? He's yep. got a meniscus tear or whatever. But Look, I know – I- yeah, that and, and that's what I was going to say is I texted you during that that game and I said, Joel Embiid is, is looking at 95 plus percent healthy. Like yeah. there's no Joel Embiid in, in, in this game where I'm saying, all right, he looks a little beat up or doesn't look right. Like Joel Embiid looked 100 percent healthy. It was just this this scoring firepower of the Atlanta Hawks with bogey with <clears throat> with Trey Young and Trey Young completely controlled the pace of the whole game. and. Everyone was talking about Danny Green on Trey Young, and I think we'll see more Ben Simmons on him next game. But Trey Young just knows how to draw fouls and knows how to control games to a point where it's really hard to get him out of rhythm. And you've been on it for a really long time, but Trey Young is just that guy, and, and we're seeing it in this playoff series. He's been huge. And when he goes to the bench, they've run into a lot of a lot of problems when he goes to the bench and staying in games. But Bogey has stepped up, and I've been on him for a while, but he is just – you know, he takes over that Trey Young type role. We're not necessarily distributing, but just controlling the pace of the game and hitting really big shots for that team. So, you know, that, that game was just, it was all Hawks until the last like four minutes of the game. Yeah. So it brings up an interesting point, bro, because I think we both talked about it um, when it, when it started, right. Trey Young came in that game cooking. He cooked the Knicks all, all, uh, all series long. And I think the logical basketball fan in us was like, okay, let's see how he does in round two because Ben Simmons is going to be on him. And Ben Simmons is just just towers over him, honestly. And you come in and Danny Green's on him, and what happens? Trey Young cooks him. 
And then you go after and you hear basically Ben Simmons say, look, I would guard him, but I'm just going to pick up fouls most likely with the way they're calling things. So I'm not going to do that. And I think that brings into lens, like we're almost having a second coming. Like maybe it's not as dramatic yet, but you see it a little bit. Like I, pe- people don't like Trey Young, right? People don't, he's not likable. Um, and I think a lot of the reason why is, you know, he's foul hunting and he's almost broken the game the way Harden did where Harden would, Harden would stick it out. He does it in that he is so quick and he can stop quicker than anyone. So he can go get around a corner and stop on a dime and you physically can't stop as quick as he does, but you run into him and it puts the refs in these tough position where it's like, okay, he did, but now they're being more and more in tune to it. Who knows if that changes, but I mean, I saw in game one, he got multiple of those calls where he just stops. And he's been doing it all year long. So I wonder how much we see of Ben on him because Ben has all the ability to affect Trey Young, right? I'm super high on Trey, but that's a guy that I can see stopping Trey Young, making it difficult. So I'm curious to see where that goes with Trey. And, and Trey, again, you know, I love Trey. It's not just that he's a great foul, honey. He does a lot of other things really well. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how that goes. And if Ben, I think that'll be a, a huge key because you stop Trey, that that offense, that engine slows down. I wonder if Ben is on them, on him from the jump, if they're going to play with fire a little bit more um, and how that goes. And no DeAndre Hunter in game one, too, which I thought well, he was a huge wow, yeah. part of, of that first series against the Knicks. And <laughs> they sneaked that one out with Solomon Hill and, and Kevin Horder. With Danilo Gallinari played awful, too. If they would have lost that game, I think people would have talked about it a little more. Danilo Gallinari did not play well that game at all, and they still pulled it out. I mean, really? he's a healthy. I, what was he doing wrong? Because I, I, I don't remember. Just didn't make shots. Just, just didn't make shots, from my opinion. He had a couple really good looks and just wasn't knocking them down. And, and you you know Gallo. When, when Gallo is not making shots, he was he's – two for four, though, bro. Was he? Yeah. Are you looking at it? Uh, this should be the right one. Yeah, two for four. I don't have his plus minus, so I don't know what he was in the game. But I just it was a plus eleven. I just looked, but I mean that's actually, bro. This is actually insane. I'm looking at it right now. Trey Young minus eleven. It was all that that last that last couple minutes, bro. Yeah, and and the whole bench squad for for Atlanta was positive, and the whole starting squad was also unreal that game, bro. Kevin Herter has been unreal in the playoffs. Kevin Horter, six for nine from the field, um, three for six from three, played really well that game as well off the bench. But the point I was trying to make yeah. was Danilo I apparently didn't play that bad. I just thought he played awful, apparently. I thought I saw him miss a lot more shots. But um, DeAndre Hunter is is a big, huge piece for them defensively and just shot creating. Like when Trey Young's on the bench, he can create his own shot, which we saw in, in the New York Knicks series. So if he's able to go in game two, that brings a little bit of a, a different aspect to that game as well. But um, I mean, Clint Capella staying out of foul trouble is huge. We talked about it before on the last podcast. 
I thought he was going to really struggle against Joel Embiid down low, um, just picking up fouls, just because that's what Joel Embiid does. It's not a knock against Clint Capella. He's a great defender, no. but, you know, he stayed out of foul trouble and he played really well. And I have to give him credit, like just did his job. Didn't take too many shots, grab boards, um, you know, had a decent effect on Joel Embiid. Um, didn't let the, let him get too out of hand. And, you know, when Joel Embiid's not able to scare, score, it's Tobias Harris and really not a whole lot else on that team because, Around Joel Embiid, it's just shot makers. It's not shot creators. So yeah. the Hawks have a lot of shot creators um, and not really on the opposite end of the spectrum. The Sixers don't. So yeah. um, when Joel Embiid isn't absolutely cooking, the advantage definitely goes to the Hawks. And I think that's just what you saw in, in game one. Yeah. I, I just get – I know it's built differently, but I just get sort of like Golden State Warriors – pre-Kevin Durant when they were coming onto the scene and they lost they I, their first two years on the scene they beat that first year they beat the Nuggets um and then they lost a really really tough one to the to the Spurs and then the year after they went seven against a really good Clippers team in the first round um and I just get similar like okay this they're a little too young this year and, and who knows how far they go. I mean, they're not going to be the Nets even if they get through the Sixers. But they're a little too young this year. But this team's time is coming, and it'll be soon. And it's cool because I, I feel like they uh, – we'll see. We'll see if they're worthy of it yet. But I almost think they're clo- they could they have potential to be in the Nuggets like, oh, really young core with some good vets outside. Like, they're in the conversation in the East. And it's it's tough because you got the Bucks, Sixers, and Nets there also. But I, I just get vibes of a team that that's going to be good for for a pretty extended period of time. Yeah. And that being it, said, it, though, oh, go ahead. That being said, I still think I have the Sixers in yeah. in seven, just because uh, you know Hawks game six home court going to be really tough. But I have the Sixers winning the next game. I have the Sixers for sure taking one game in Atlanta. So, you know, at least after four games at being 2-2, I think they hope they protect home court game five. Um, and then after that, I really don't know. I'll so, take Sixers and seven too, bro. Yeah, Sixers and seven or six. It, I wouldn't be too surprised if they if they won in Atlanta game six. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I still like Sixers. I, I, I think they make adjust- I think they make adjustments. Doc Rivers is a really good coach a coach that has been able to make adjustments in the past. And I don't think he's really scared to. He's seen. uh, Yeah. He's not scared to switch up his lineup in whatever way possible. And, and I just see the Sixers having too much. I got Sixers. They've, they've got a a pretty large track record of being pretty good, but I also don't want people to miss out on, on this, this Atlanta team. They're fun. They're hungry. They're playing free. And you can tell they just got a good vibe about them. It's not about anyone individually. It's about the team. And they got a lot of really good pieces, too. Um, And they can win this series still. Like, I I know I got the Sixers and I make it sound like it's pretty hit, but they still have a good shot to win the series. And and I said before, I thought you were crazy to say it, but, I mean, they're just – they're that good right now. And I I don't think they could end up, you know, winning in the next round, but they could win. They could sneak off a series against the Sixers and – yeah, I don't know. It, be it's really it's fun. one Joel weird little knee thing away. And I'm not trying to exactly. put that out there, but um, like it's one little thing away. It's it's even maybe a Simmons injury. It's even away. maybe a, a bad Tobias Harris Tobias, shooting night away. You know? You know? Or Tobias, yeah. Like 
again, you know, until Tobias, until Tobias in a big time game where they need him, not they're already up 10. Oh, they're all in a group. No, they need someone to step up until Tobias goes on and does that. I still like I have not seen Tobias when it matters. Do what you need from him to this point. So and and like if you if you go look at, at the Sixers stats from from game one, Ben Simmons seven for seven from the field. Tobias Harris well, eight for thirteen from yeah. the field. Joel Embiid twelve for twenty one. And that game, I mean, outside of the last four minutes, it wasn't even a close game. It's just yeah. it just shows you the Hawks are are, are really talented, man. Yeah, I, it's like a it's you're seeing. I feel like a lot of these offensively successful teams, you see it. They got a great great uh, shot creator. You set the pick with the five, and then you have four, three other guys who can shoot, and that gives you the most space and optimizes, you know, outcomes over a whole game. And and I think it not necessarily to the same extent, but when one of your best players, not to the same extent as Giannis, but when you're one of your best players and the guy who handles the ball and brings the ball up the court and Ben Simmons has no ability to shoot the ball, it hurts you in so many different aspects. And you just see it when Trey Young is in the pick and roll and you have to guard him 30 feet out and he can knock down that shot. It's very it opens up space. It, it opens up so much. And when you can go under every pick and roll with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, it makes it so much easier to recover on Joel Embiid and, and other guys. It's, it's just like when I play 2K, by the way, you got to play me in 2K, bro. I've become so not, I, we can't, huh? You would wax me. I haven't played 2K in years. Damn, all right. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, I was going to say in 2K, bro, it's so e- not easy to guard the Sixers, but Ben Simmons, they make him the point guard, and I'm just in the paint. I'm, I'm literally just in the paint. And it's not that dramatic in real life, but it is to a certain extent where you need to give guys spacing to be able to score the basketball. And you can guard Ben Simmons in a certain way, and he does a lot of other things well. But, uh, I mean, this Isn't is that- – if, if you think about it, you look at Ben Simmons and you look at Kyrie Irving, one does one thing well. Kyrie Irving does scoring the ball and shooting the ball really well and nothing else really that great. Ben Simmons can't score and is amazing at literally every aspect of the game. And just being able to score at an efficient rate in the NBA right now is so dang important. And if you can't do it, no matter what, like even if you do everything else so effectively – it just makes it so hard to have an impact on the game. And that's, you know, what we've seen in a lot of these series. A hundred percent. I think you get, I think it gets talked about a lot too, is like if you can score, but you can't play defense, it's going to be tough to get minutes. Right. And it, it is to a certain extent, but you see it, especially now baskets are needed. Buckets are needed. And yeah, bro. I think it's, that's such an interesting comparison because because you look at the Hawks bogey is a, it's in absolute bucket right now like that dude is hitting at an effective rate he probably shot 42 44 percent from three this year like really career high from three and he's continued on to the playoffs he is a bucket right now Trey Young an absolute bucket like you just you're you're not getting that from the Sixers it's so hard to win when you don't have bucket getters like we said same thing with the Buck series right and and out of the bucket like the the thing with it because it goes hand in hand too is because when you have bucket getters who they who you have to respect, who you know you can't guard one-on-one, you have to bring someone. And when you bring someone, that's when it could you saw it in that Nugget Suns, which we'll get to. 
they were searching out the matchup every time and creating an advantageous situation because you know you can't guard one-on-one. So when you have guys that you know, like even if you are a bucket, like having other people around you who are buckets make make the defense have to play you in a certain way that creates for other guys who can't necessarily create their own shot but can hit wide open ones. And, yeah, I mean, Philly doesn't – like Joel is the ultimate go-get-me-a-bucket big, but – and Tobias is good, but, like, outside of that, you know, I don't know. And you can't leave Seth, but you can't leave Seth Curry, but he's kind of a bona fide Austin Rivers where you don't want him dribbling and trying to create. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just want him setting and taking his shots and we can get, we can like segue this into the, yeah, I got, I got six years and seven. We can, we can segue this into Suns Nuggets because at the end of that Suns Nuggets game, the reason the Suns won that game is Chris Paul isolation, 10 possessions in a row when it was like a six, eight point game and just completely taking over and getting buckets where on the other side, the Nuggets had Jokic on the bench and it was Michael Porter Jr. coming around a pick and, and taking an awful 24, 25 footer. It was Austin Rivers trying to dribble around in the paint. It was Facundo Campazzo trying to do second guessing a shot and then pulling up after he was getting contested. It's just like yeah. it, it, Chris Paul is, yeah, I mean, you saw, I and I, I mean, you you were much higher on the Suns, not maybe not much higher on the Suns, but more so you liked them better to win this series and and less than I did. I thought the Nuggets could go seven, and and you know that wasn't a good start because, like you said, the the Suns were missing a lot of early shots and the Nuggets were were hanging in there. But right there at the end of the game, Chris Paul, it, it was one of two options, and we go back to the buckets. Chris Paul would get a get switched onto someone he could go at, or Booker would. Or they would bring two, and as soon as Jokic, because they know they can't guard one, so all right, we'll, we'll send two. And as soon as the the guy who helps on eight and rolling comes off the man, Chris Paul was finding him immediately, and it just led to breakdown time and time and time again. And so you see that, like I don't really know what the what the fix is for the Nuggets unless you just throw AG on one of them the whole time and hope he can fight over everything. There's still at, on the court, no matter what, you're going to have one of MPJ, one of Rivers, one of maybe even Monty Morris that you can go at. And I just don't, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I thought the Nuggets had a chance just because of the offensive looks Yoke can create. But the Suns did a, a really, really good job in that second half of making everything tough. Yoke looked tired. I don't know if he was tired or the, it was all just the Suns D. But the, the difference in quality of looks in that second half was on, honestly almost as large as the Bucks nets in, in that first game. And you saw it. it. Obviously, they had more confidence and you were they were hitting some. There were some shots here and there that you're like, all right, we'll live with. But they were just searching out all these matchups and they were able to get, a, get to them fairly easily. And without Yoke, like you said, when Yoke's not on the floor and even when he is and you're not going to him, the Nuggets aren't getting quality looks. And that was one of the reasons I, I liked the Nuggets against the Blazers is it was, you know, it was Damian Lillard one-on-one um, against Jokic one-on-one. And, and I liked Jokic's decision-making a little bit better. And then when you go to the series, it's completely different. It, it's Chris Paul and Devin Booker looking to get matchups that they want. And then it's you're passing to McCall Bridges. You're passing to Jay Crowder. You're getting it to DeAndre Ayton, who I said looks like he has his sliders on 100. He's making every shot, every right decision. Yeah. And then you go to the Nuggets, and if if Jokic isn't touching the ball, 
it's a horrible look nine times out of 10. It's Austin Rivers, Composo, MPJ, Aaron Gordon. I said this too. Aaron Gordon, the best play for the Nuggets was Aaron Gordon in the post. No joke. Aaron Gordon posting up was literally when they got their best opportunity. And it's just personnel, man. The Suns have so many options. And McCall Bridges has 23 points. You're not going to be the Suns team when McCall Bridges has 23 points. And it's going to be really tough. it's not a slight on Yoke or any, like, this this team is down, guys. And, And you look at it. We talked about it. Their second best player right now. I mean, maybe, maybe uh, overall, if you go just by consistency, you can make an argument it's Aaron Gordon. But I think most people would say MPJ is their, their second best player right now. And and we saw it. Like, MPJ is purely their second best player because he can get buckets. And we talked about how important that skill is. And really, for him, he doesn't even get that many open looks. He just makes ridiculous shots. Like, that's what he's there. He's there. He's 6'11". He rises up, jumps super high in the air, and just hits the shot. But you see he's still processing the game so slowly. There was a time, I know we were watching it on Zoom, where he's literally backing down his guy. Jokic's trying to give him a screen so he can just get some space and maybe they can reset. And he has no idea Jokic is right next to him trying to give him a screen, and he's backing down about to fit. There was another time Yoke's coming down. They get a fast break opportunity. Yoke gets the board, and Yoke like, no looks it. So he's looking at, I think it was Gordon going way down the court and floats a no look over the top. MPJ doesn't even know it's coming to like the last second where it just like drops into his hands. So you just see it when your second best player is like, he's not even fully aware of anything going outside of just him on the basketball court. It's just going to be tough. And, and I, I guess I just, I love Yoke and I thought he could put him on their back and get it to seven, but something's a hundred percent has to change if, if they're going to have any shot in winning this series. I know it's just one game, but like, that second half seemed to be pretty telling. And it's, it's, it's also just when a guy like Devin Booker and Chris Paul can literally pick what they want to do every time down the floor in that second half, which is what they were doing. They did it in the first half too. And they were finding guys for wide open looks and they just weren't knocking it down. But when Jokic goes to the bench and you're down eight points, that's where the, the, the Denver Nuggets struggle. And you can't play Jokic 48 minutes. He doesn't have the stamina. You said it tonight. He looked tired. So he can only play. Th- he played 36 minutes in game seven in a close game against the Portland Trailblazers. And that's really like a maximum for him. When the, when the, when he's off yeah. the floor for 12 minutes, it's going to be really tough for them to not, you know, for the Suns not to pull away in games. And they always have Devin Booker or Chris Paul or another, you know, even Cameron Payne at times is able to create his own shot, you know? So it's just really brutal. But like you said, Mike Malone's really good at making adjustments. This series isn't over by any means, but it's tough. They just don't have the personnel. And when yeah. you're playing against a Portland Trailblazers defense, that's one of the worst of all times. You're able to get away with some of these things, but against the best defense in the league this year, it's not going to work. And I like how you put it. Like you, you saw towards the end, like it was ultimate confidence. Chris Paul and Devin Booker were just taking turns, just stalking their prey, bro. Like you go back and look at every possession in that second half. It's no rush. Okay. Start it off with book, get a switch, go CP. They show to like CP already knew what was going to happen. Like you watch it over. It wasn't like CP was reading and reacting. CP three knew every single move of what he was doing and got the desired outcome of, of what he was trying to get. And when you, when you literally have that, 
Like it, it's tough. It, it's tough because and, I don't know what's going to change. And what's good, what this series is going to come down to is Phoenix on making open looks because that's what Denver is going to have to force them into. Like we said, it's going to be Jay Crowder getting wide open looks over and over again because you have to just trap and throw guys at CP3 and Devin Booker. You can't let them get to their spot. You're going to lose no matter what if they do that. So what I think we're going to see in this Denver series is, is guys like McCall Bridges and Jay Crowder and some other guys, like we saw Tory Craig, they're going to get open looks and yeah. they're NBA players. So they're going to knock them down yeah. occasionally, but the Denver Nuggets are just going to have to live with it. And I think at this point, bro, I'm, I'm going Phoenix. It, it really seems as if this is – I don't want to get too recency biased, but I think at this point you got no, no, you five. You got to stick with your guns, bro. No, okay, I'm saying at this point, but I, I still, I'm going to Denver in seven. I can't jump off yet, but like, no, no, Phoenix in seven. Sorry, Phoenix in seven. Yes, Phoenix yeah, seven. and you had Phoenix in five. Yeah, I had Phoenix in five, and yeah, that's just good. because, just because of home court, like. I like, you know, I like him taking both these first two games and then I like him stealing one. And then at home, you saw, you saw talking stick today, tonight. That place was rocking. No masks. Rocking stick. Full, full yeah. yeah, full capacity. They were going ham and just the energy in Phoenix. They're, they're ready for their team to be good. And I'm yeah. stoked for them because they're, it's a fun, I think they're fun story, bro. And it's, it's good to see CP, like, he can be a bitch on the court, but it's all just because he wants to win. It, it's good to see a guy who's grinded in the league, knows this much, really just giving it his last fucking go in his last th- two, three years in this league as a, an elite player. Um, but I hope you can at least maybe, maybe get to. All right, let's finish off with the last series, the only one that hasn't tipped yet. Um Utah Jazz and the LA Clippers, and I know me and you have texted about this. We've talked about this plenty of times. Uh, I've I've had trouble. I've gone back and forth, and I think ultimately I land on. I can't change it. I I think ultimately I land on Jazz in seven, and it's really a lot of it has to do with the home court. You you obviously get that one extra game at home, but also I just think their home court is a lot more of a home court than than Staples. Um, it's full capacity basically out in Utah, you know, we've had their issue. They've had their issues, but they're very passionate fans. So, um, let's break down the, the Clippers jazz, bro. I, I know you like the Clippers in seven in this, right? I like Clippers in six, just six, home court. Right. Like, just yeah, like court, I yeah. said, just yeah. the home court. And I, I'm not trying to put too much emphasis on home court. Um, cause I, I, I guess I've no. mentioned it the I last mean, three series, but I'm taking the Clippers in six because I think, like you said, if you get a game seven in Utah, it's really, really tough to go against the Utah Jazz. Just the way they feed off that crowd. Donovan Mitchell feeds off that crowd. It's That's just an energy I don't like. But that's the reason I have Clippers in six. But if you look at it, it's two completely just different teams. One team has – you know, one star and then a bunch of dudes that are just knocked down three-point shooters and the other team has You, you got to just... give Rudy the star title, bro. Just not a scoring, though. All right, I'll give him a star title, but not on, a scoring. And then, and, and then you got the Clippers with just similar to like CP3 and Devin Booker. They're just buckets, man. It's just get to your spot and get a bucket. And yeah, th- that's why this series is so, so, so tough to decide because – and another part of it is the Clippers – they're 
two completely different teams at times. You know what I mean? Like yeah. against I mean, they had to be two different teams against the match. <laughs> I just think there's so many different factors to it. And, and we've talked about it too. It's just hard to put into words, but now you have Zubach going to have to step immediately into a role that he was taken out of in the last series. Um, and he's going to have to be huge against Gobert. Um, like you said, Gobert is, is a star and, and he plays a huge role in this team. And I'm interested to see yeah. um, how, how Zubach steps up. I think he's the X factor in the series. I'm, I'm really excited to watch him. hundred percent, bro. I think, and, and you know, I've loved Zoo. I've hoped he was going to start in the playoffs over Ibaka. Um, and obviously Ibaka's back. That's still kind of weird to me that he's had four months in his backs. Just he's ruled out. out tomorrow already. Yeah. Too. But um, you go back to Utah and it's, you know, they've been running the system for a minute now and, and Donovan's gotten better and better in it um, where it's Donovan at the top of the key, whether it's a pick and roll or ISO. And if you, if Donovan is able to get downhill even a little bit where you have to help off Donovan, look, I don't think he gets a lot of respect as this and maybe he will as time goes, but he in the system and he's had to be, has become a good passer. He will make the rights, whether it's skip passes, whether it's just up and under, fake a lab, kick it out. Like he actually has become a good passer at finding that open guy. And he's pretty damn good at getting downhill. So it's it's an offensive system that we've seen has worked now. Um, and it, I, I just can't wait to see the chess match that happens between these two coaches. Um, because Rudy is an, another just – I just think with Rudy down there, and the consistency of Donovan, Mike, and Joe, and home court, I just give the slightest of edges. But the one thing is, is I don't know how good Mike Conley's hammy is. Yeah. I don't even know if and, he's playing. And that's huge because we talked about it in the last series is usually in, in these situations where we've seen in the past, it's Donovan Mitchell ISO at the end of games. And he was able to take a step back and give Mike Conley the ball. Take and some say, of the load you, off of me. You, yeah. You take some of the load off of me. I don't want to take my 25, 30 shots a game that I was having to take, help me out a little bit. And Mike Conley stepped up and, and with that hamstring injury, it just, but you know, who's huge too, that we haven't talked about is Bo is Bogdanovich dude. He's been really good, especially when, um, when Donovan Mitchell went, went, went down and that dude is like we said, just strictly a bucket. That guy just gets 100%. buckets. And, and I guess a lot of the jazz are, you look across the board, Jordan Clarkson, bucket Jordan. getter, Donovan Mitchell, bucket getter, Bogdanovich, bucket getter. And then you have Rudy Gobert down there anchoring the paint. But then you go on the other side and you got just <laughs> absolutely you go superstars. But look, I, do you feel, look, I, and I'm on record saying, that that series for them was a, a a character tester. Like I think that's big for the Clippers to have experienced that in round one. But there's an, another way you could look at it where like I didn't think the Clippers were gonna have to work that hard. Like I think there are weaknesses there. That like I, I think the Jazz are gonna. I saw enough from Luca and that, and it was just Luca there, right? It was just Luca. Like I I think the Jazz are gonna be able to score. And I, I don't know. There were times where the, where the Clippers couldn't stop the Mavs. So I, I don't know. I, it just comes down to where the Jazz's defense is because the Clip, PG and Choir are in a groove. But the Mavs didn't have anyone who could anchor the paint. Like, Chris Stops, and we can talk about that another time, but Rudy Gobert is just miles the rim protector that anyone on that, on that Dallas Mavericks team is. So um, 
I, I think I saw enough in the armor. Because, again, I picked the clips to come out of the West. So I'm in this weird spot now where I have to, like, reassess. But uh, I also have a Jazz plus 2,700 ticket, which I know I've told you before. But I would love that. The, the Clippers, you know what you're getting from the Jazz. You know what you're getting from Jordan Clarkson. You know what you're getting from Bogdanovich. You know what you're getting from Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. If you look at the Clippers, outside of Kawhi and, and PG – I don't know what I'm getting from Marcus Morris. I don't know if he's hitting seven threes in game seven and tying Steph Curry's game seven record. I don't know if he's going over six. Yeah, like he did the I, I think it was until, Mar- until, until Marcus Morris, you know, did Marcus Morris, but um, <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get from these Clippers. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get from Terrence Mann, Rajon Rondo. It, it's just, that's, and, and that's the thing for me is I know what I'm getting from the jazz, right? you know what you're getting from the Jazz. I just don't know exactly what I'm going to get from the Clippers, but for some reason, I just still love him, and I think it's just going down to Kawhi Leonard, man. That guy is just – he shot 60% from the field in that series. No one's going to stop him. No one's going to affect his shots. He's an anchor on defense. It's just – I don't know. This is the one series I I just – I'm so iffy about. It's why – but, no, I get you, bro. That's why I'm – was high on the Clippers coming out. I think Kawhi is really, really damn good. And I honestly think PG is really, really damn good too. And, and there'll be times where they maybe go cold. Um, and, and while we don't necessarily know, you know, every night what we're going to get from these role players, they have enough of them now that usually at least two to three of them do step up, whether it's Batum, whether, whether it's Zoo, whether it's Reggie Jackson, whether it's even man or Kennard came in for a little bit, you know, like, they have enough guys there that I think complement those two a lot better and realize we got to go to them more too. Like, I, I don't know. I felt like Lou and Harold were just kind of on some bullshit last year. Um, and, and I think you see now that everyone on that team realizes, all right, we are going to be at our best when PG and Kawhi are scoring. And I didn't really get that vibe last year. And so for me, it's just going to be, yeah, I, I just – I think overall, though, and it, it really is Rudy and home court, for me, I think the Jazz can get slightly more consistent looks because of Rudy and because of home court, and that's why I'm going in seven. But it's really damn close. And if you told me the Clippers won, I would not be shocked at all. And, and when we go and talk through this, man, it, may, it makes me really like the Jazz a lot more now that we actually talk through it. And I think it's just because – we saw the Jazz kind of get through Memphis unscathed. I mean, I guess they didn't because some of those games were close, but they they were going to win those games win those. Where, where we got to see, you know, the Clippers in big, big games. And I got to see Kawhi Leonard absolutely ball out. But when you go back and look at the Clippers, like, front office, what were they – what are they doing with, with the pieces they put a, around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Like, this year, I, I know they got Serge and he's been beat up just this year. Like – you're paying Luke Kennard $64 million. You're paying some of these other guys. Like, I think it's just here as a franchise. Like, you, They haven't done anything. They're like the only franchise that has legitimately done nothing. So I think they just have the fear of losing an asset. But, yeah, the, the Luke Kennard thing was weird. But I like the Batum pickup. Yeah, I, I do like too. The Batum pickup. And, honestly, I like I was have always been a – a Reggie Jackson hater, but like, I can't hate on what he's done this year. You know, like he's turned into a pretty damn decent point guard. Like 
and they've needed. I mean, that. He, he, he he completely took Pat Beverly's role. Pat Beverly yeah, doesn't play any minutes Pat anymore. Not. Like we go back to the buckets thing. Like Reggie Jackson actually is there probably. I mean, you can make an argument it's Morris, but like I think to this point he's been their third best scorer, so he's been huge. And Marcus is just. I don't love Marcus, but he's a good, like, if he gets an open three in the corner, I feel like it's down every time. Shoots 40% from three. He's a body. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it's Kawhi and PG, bro. And, and they both look really, really good. I don't blame you for being on the Clippers, bro. I mean, you have – okay, here, rank the top four players in this series. Why one Paul George two Donovan Mitchell three Rudy Go no Rudy Gobert three Donovan Mitchell four. It, it's tough. You can honestly make perfectly legitimate legitimate arguments for Donovan or Rudy as who's better. But either way, I think they're both probably behind those two. Yeah, right? so they have the two best players in the series. But then the yeah. Jazz probably have the next six or seven. Donovan, Rudy, Bogey, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, dude, so I'd probably, Clarkson, I'd probably Conley, take Royce O'Neal over anyone else, dude. Yeah, no, I go Conley, Royce O'Neal, and then Jordy Marcus Morris. It's tough. I'm I'm taking Jordan Clarkson. I'm also taking Bogdanovich. I'm all, you're right, Bogdanovich for sure. Um, yeah, bro. So there you I'm go. Taking Joey, like, I'm taking Joey. I'm taking Joe. I'm taking Joe Ingles over Mar, over Marcus Morris for sure. I probably am too. I probably am too. Yeah. I, it's it's the two stars versus a, a more balanced team, and it's not like you go down from PG to Donovan. It's not like this massive gap, you know, or PG to, to Rudy. It's not a massive gap. So, uh, yeah, and then you got home court. It's just gonna come down for me how healthy Mike Conley is. Like they very easily could have been like, all right, we already know we're gonna win this series against the Grizzlies. They were up huge at half. Like let's just make sure you're right. Or it could have been like, oh, he he really shouldn't be playing right now. So we'll see. And you'll see with hammies, I feel like, are the worst, bro. Like, you can think you're good, and then one movement, and, oh, shit, I guess I wasn't as good as I thought. And you see it with James Harden right now. So, and he's crucial, bro. Like, if, if you told me Mike Conley wasn't 100% or he wasn't playing the series, I'd go Clippers. I agree, because – and that's where some of, some of my problems come with, with Donovan Mitchell is where he runs into trouble is forcing a ton of shots, and I think Mike Conley is that perfect right. mix for him to, and, to take the load off. And him. I will say in the past – I mean, you see it, bro. Like, the best players take the majority of the shots because they're your best players. So even if they're tough, they're going to be tougher, but they're your best players. Have them take the tough shots. Donovan had to do that in the past, I think he doesn't have to do that this year. He really does not have to do that this year. And it's just going to let the, the 18 to 22 that he chooses to take are going to be higher quality looks than the ones he was having to take before. So, and if you look if also real quick, if you look in the NBA, it's no longer in the, in the past, you could have one dude that was really, really good and a really good bucket getter. And you could get away with it. Now in the NBA, you look at everyone in the past and you look at right now, like the past three years, you have to have two legit bucket getters. Like you really do. You cannot have one. You look at the Lakers last year. You look at the Warriors this year. AD. You look at the Warriors this year. It's they had the best Steph Curry. It's no one and else. No one else. And they couldn't even get in the playoffs. And then Brooklyn, it's Kyrie and you have Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Devin Booker and it's Chris Paul. You just you cannot know you can know part of why the Nuggets can only get to a certain point too. And it shows you also you need defense too. You need to have it. 
because unless you're the Brooklyn Nets, if you're the, the Blazers and you have CJ and Dame, if you don't have the defense either. So you need so many things to come together in the playoffs. And if you have one weakness, it will get exposed. And all the a lot of these teams left besides probably the Nuggets. And the Bucks do have weaknesses too, are, are pretty solid all around, bro. But uh, let's so let's recap right now. You g- give me what you got for the the these four series from this point on. All right. So well, no, just give me your original prediction. All right. So Western Conference, I have Clippers in six. I have Suns in five. Kind of a hot take, but and then after game one, I guess it looks a little bit better. But Eastern Conference, I got I originally <laughs> I'm not gonna look too good anymore. Originally, I had Sixers in five. Yeah. Um, if I had to take that back, I'd go Sixers and six. Um, but I have Sixers and five. And then um, I have Brooklyn and f- fuck. I had, I had, Brooklyn this is not seven. fair. Yeah. I had Milwaukee and seven. I'd uh, go yeah. Brooklyn and five. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, bro. So in that series, I had Brooklyn and seven. It's going to go five. Uh, I had uh, Philly and seven. I still think it goes Philly in seven. Uh, I had Suns in seven. Uh, honestly, after tonight, I don't want to overreact, but it looks like it's going Suns in five. And then I had, I have Jazz in seven. But it's weird. It's weird for me, bro, because like I did pick the clips to come out, but after what I've seen, I, I really do think the Jazz. I go Jazz in seven. So it's kind of I'm like playing both, but I, I think I go Jazz in seven, and we get I our think- first taste of it tomorrow, bro. I think game one is very telling in that series, too. For so it'll sure. be really fun to watch. I, I will be locked in, tuned in. Sarge and I, and I'll get Tyler back on here, too. We'll, we'll be back in a week. But thanks for joining me again, bro. I appreciate it, as always. Thank you guys for listening.